Hello and happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to a Mr. DJ. Today we have a very special guest by the name of Adam Torres, better known as Toro. He shares with us his story of probably the most unusual way to kick off your career as a DJ by saving the day in a sense. So without further ado, please enjoy episode two. Hello. Hello. Hi there. Welcome to A Mr. DJ. How's it going? Good. I'm good. What's up, Alita? Oh, not much. Just here trying to stay calm during these crazy times. So um, we did get to speak briefly before, and I'm happy to hear that you're still working. So how are you adjusting to all that right now? Um, I mean, it's definitely uncharted waters for a lot of people, including myself. Um, I work other than, uh, you know, DJing, I work in uh, the construction industry and there's a lot of new rules about, um, you know, how we interact with each other. So we're just, you know, kind of adjusting to that. Um, but like, I guess I'm appreciative of just being able to work right now. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I feel like, you know, a lot of us, like I said, have been furloughed and some of us, you know, have late, been laid off. And I think it just kind of makes us go a little bit stir crazy, which is why I feel like, you know, part of the reason why I started this was because I needed to find some sort of purpose almost because I was going a little bit nuts, not having something to do. So... I'm just happy that I guess I have all this extra time. <laughs> I mean, it's a good outlet. I think that, um, you know, uh, <clears throat> people that contribute to nightlife, uh, a lot of times it's fun to see people uh, be interested in who we are other than just artists, DJs, um, you know, people in a band, whatever your medium is. It's, it's nice to, uh, to, to connect with a, a friend and um, to talk about, you know, life in general and how we relate to, uh, to music. So this is really cool. Yeah, I know. I'm very excited for it. So um, I guess we can start off by, um, I guess, letting people know I've known you for 10 years now, which is so nuts to me. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time that we met, we were dancing at memphis and yes you introduced yourself to me as toro and i remember that was the moment where i felt like i earned a little bit of your respect because i was like like toro y moi and <laughs> i remember the surprised look on your face kind of like oh wow like she knows this band you know and i feel like we've been friends ever since so i guess that's where we could you know lead this off that name how did that name come about because that's so, not your name. Your name is Adam. That's right. right. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, it's Adam. Exactly. The <laughs> whole name thing has been uh, kind of interesting, as I'm sure it is for a lot of people who have a slightly different name, like Adan or Aleda. Um, you kind of constantly have to explain and spell and enunciate, and there's a lot of questions sometimes that come along with the name. Um, so yeah, my real name is Adan, and as a kid, I just kind of wanted to go by Adam because it Adan is 
somewhat of a, a, a task to explain to people. So I went, I go by Adam still to this day. My, uh, a lot of friends and family do call me Adam. Um, <clears throat> but in high school, uh, I started, well, the nickname Toro started because my last name is Torres. And uh, a friend of mine, Jacinda, uh, we had a, a class together and there was this movie out about cheerleaders called Bring It On. And, yeah. um, I guess the mascot was a was the Toros. And so she, she used to I, I used to be late to this particular class uh, because it was right after lunch and I was always late. And even though I would try to be sneaky and kind of like, you know, slide in as quietly right. as possible, she would like stomp her feet and do the whole like burr it's cold in here there must be adam <laughs> torres in the atmosphere so, oh my god that's hysterical yeah so How that's funny. where the name toro comes from and um so that kind of stuck and you know for years a lot of uh friends just call me by my nickname toro and um you know i i didn't start djing until after you and i had had become friends and right. um there was one instance at the tattoo shop that my brother and my uh, good buddy, uh, Tim, who's like a brother to me, were, they were both working at this tattoo shop called Gold Rush in Costa Mesa. And um, I was called away for an emergency and uh, turns out that there was no emergency. They just wanted me to come party with them. This is on like a Tuesday at like 11 in the morning. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so they were celebrating uh, my brother having his first daughter. She wasn't born yet, but it was getting pretty close. Yeah. Um, so I go to the shop and I'm like, well, I'm already here. So we proceed to order drinks. Um, these drinks called, um, well, it was a place called Aloha Grill and they had these drinks called Rainbows. And it looks like a big, tall glass of just fruity, sugary drinks yeah but in reality it's got i think eight or nine different shots in it so it oh my gosh yeah it's definitely a, <laughs> a dangerous kind of thing um yeah like jungle juice or something yeah so <laughs> we proceed to drink a few of those and um it's walking distance to the shop and so we go back to the shop and the party continues and i sort of turn the corner and i just hear tattoo machines buzzing and uh my brother who's now a, a tattooer and a very good tattooer at that time had never tattooed anyone before so when i turn the corner and they're all starting to you know get the the machines ready and get everything all the stations ready yeah. um they just go okay the, the owner of the shop tom he says aaron you're gonna tattoo your brother and i'm like all right i was just down you know i didn't really care um yeah so He's like, well, what do you want? And I'm like, I don't care. Just whatever. So I sit down and I'm like, I'm not going to look at it until it's done. And my brother, Aaron, he's tattooing me and he's like, makes a face like he kind of messed up. So I'm like, okay, that's, I mean, whatever. So the guy who's apprenticing him comes over or not apprenticing him, but like helping him out, like at the shop and whatever comes yeah. over. And he's like, okay, like you could turn that line into this and uh, yeah, you'll be fine. So he starts going again. <clears throat> Five minutes later, same face. He's like, oh, no. dude, I screwed up again. <laughs> so I'm like, um, 
at this point I'm like kind of drunk, definitely drunk. Yeah. And, you know, kind of worried, like what the hell's he doing? You know? Right. So Tim comes over, he's like, all right, we'll turn this into that. And, you know, make this, this, he's like telling him how to fix it. He's like, all right, cool. A third time, like 10 minutes later, he like screws up again. Jeez. So he's like, I don't know, man, just like, I don't know how to fix this one, just whatever. So <laughs> he like finishes it up and it's, if you see it, it's like the smallest tattoo that I have, but it's, um, it ended up saying Toro's bros. And uh-huh. then it has like a little, um, what's supposed to be a bull, because that's what Toro means in Spanish, right. a bull. Um, so yeah, it's like really scribbly letters and it says Toro's bros. And it's got like <laughs> this little bull and no one knows what it was supposed to say or like, you know, he messed up and, you know, what it was initially going to be. We were all so drunk that like the memory of what, you know, what, what his intent was, we have no idea. So. So up until this day, you still don't know what Toro's bros, that was just kind of like improvising because he kept screwing up. Yeah, it was a total accident. Um, <laughs> and that became your DJ name. Well, yeah, like years later, you know, <laughs> yeah. I continue to get tattoos and hang out at the shop. And um, eventually uh, you remember Kitsch Bar in its, yeah. in its heyday. Um, so I used to hang out at Kitsch Bar a lot <clears throat> when um, at, when I was in my like early 20s maybe mid 20s um i was hanging out there a lot we lived pretty close by uh and i got to know a lot of the bartenders and became good friends with them and um i that's kind of how i uh started djing was at kitsch bar but yeah eventually when when that whole thing happened and it it turned into you know i need to have a name to because we're going to create some sort of like promo and marketing and flyers I needed to choose a name and it was kind of like I didn't really want to you know come up with something like cheesy like I don't know whatever but I didn't want to really pressure myself too much to come up with something that wasn't me so I just said okay Toro's bros yeah no I mean but it's pretty yeah very close and it's also meaningful in some way you know it's like um some like a moment that you and your brother shared so I feel like that's really cool yeah, I, that's actually what I remember. So before this podcast thing, I was just, <clears throat> excuse me, having a ton of kind of ideas on like, maybe I can start DJing. Maybe I can, I was just like trying totally. to find new things, right? And I'm like, so I'm like, okay, if I do become a DJ, like what would be my DJ name? Yeah. And that's where <laughs> I was like, okay, I can't be a DJ because I can't come up with a name. <laughs> It's, it's so hard. It's so much harder than you think. And I know, I, but like, I feel like all of you guys do like Rockberry and like Little Brandon and like, you know, you, Taurus Bros. I feel like they're all so, to me, it doesn't seem cheesy at all. Like, I'm like, oh, that's very creative, you know? Thank and, you. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's definitely some, I think there's some instances where it can feel uh, like contrived, like you really like tried to make this name work and it's like either not you or whatever the, the truth is there's like it you kind of like feel a little bit of pressure when you're trying to come up with your your stage presence or your handle or your like your name you know like yeah yeah definitely so now that we talked a little bit about your brother um tell me I guess a little bit about what your upbringing was like like where you grew up yeah um, um... And if you have any other siblings, et cetera. I do. I do. So 
I grew up in El Paso, Texas, um, and I lived there until I was like 13, 12 or 13. Um, okay. So, <clears throat> yeah, I have an older brother, and he's like two years older than me. That's uh, Jay. And then my younger brother is about uh, three years younger than me. That's Aaron. Um, and then my sister is about five years younger than me. That's Gabby. So there's, there's four of us. Um, do you guys all live here now? Yeah, we do. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. We moved out here as a family and my older brother lives in, um, like Pasadena and he is, uh, like a fine artist, like graphic artist, um, okay. an illustrator, I guess is what he would probably the term he would use and then my younger brother is a tattoo artist right professionally and then my sister um she manages uh movie theaters which oh, is pretty okay. cool yeah nice kind of a dream job thing yeah yeah for sure so um you said you grew up in El Paso and would you say that you grew up in a pretty conventional family I mean it was um it was just my mom raising us. And then during uh, eighth grade, we came to California for the first time because uh, my cousin was having a quinceanera and my mom was able to do it. So we, we drove out, came to the quinceanera and she um, was reunited with her like high school, uh, like sweetheart, her like old ex-boyfriend from way back. Yeah. And uh, so they were both divorced and single and really happy to see each other. Um, so from the summer between like seventh and eighth grade is when that trip was. And then like throughout eighth grade, like they were, I remember he would like come from California to El Paso to visit and they were like on the phone together all the time. And then by like, christmas new year's um they he had asked her to marry him and she said yes and they were planning a wedding and for us to move to california so um definitely yeah i mean it was it was crazy it's it's good for her i mean i'm I'm so glad that it happened um, for her i mean she raised four kids and and went you know went to college and got a college degree while having four kids and working um Four kids. That's yeah, so impressive. Yeah, because I I mean, doing it just with one kid, having to go to college is very difficult. So I doing it with no kids. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. It's how she did it is just beyond me. But she. uh, Yeah, mothers are incredible. Yeah, she she kicks ass and she did it, and um, so she deserves something good in her life, you know. And yeah, um, I think a relationship is is a important thing for a lot of people and I know that she was happy to find someone um so that was cool I mean at the time I didn't think it was cool at all I like hated it I was very upset I was like yeah this sucks I don't want to go you know I I didn't really know uh obviously my stepdad at the time at all really and uh you know it was confusing when you're a kid you're like yeah this is my I feel whole like we're world. a little bit more selfish too you know yeah and we don't understand that our parents also have this life that they're living and they're trying to be happy and it's um it can be very tough for a kid to kind of adjust to like a new parent almost yeah. you know <clears throat> as a teenager when you're like trying to become 
more independent and you have this like new person who's coming in and kind of acting like a father figure in your case yep. and it's like yeah, it was yeah, it, it was can be tough. very difficult and challenging. It was yeah. scary, but at the end of the day, I I'm really happy that it that it happened the way that it did. You know, we moved mm-hmm. to uh, L.A. We moved to a city called Paramount when we first moved out here, and um, <clears throat> you know, I had just started uh, going to punk rock shows, and I was really big into skateboarding and playing guitar at the time. It was very much into music and into underground music like a lot of punk and um right. coming to california was like everywhere you know it was like yeah just such a huge difference in how people respect the culture here um a lot of you know musicians are given uh, access to a lot of uh, or i guess there's a lot of opportunity for for artists here in california there's a lot of culture yes um, so it was a to express themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a blessing. It was a huge blessing to come out to, uh, to California. We moved out, like I said, to Paramount and we, I only went, uh, stayed out there for a year. And then my family moved to a city called Corona out in Riverside. And, um, mm-hmm. I kind of hated that too, because I was going to this high school called Norco high school. And it was like another total, um, culture shock for me. And yeah. <laughs> I felt like, very much like I definitely felt out of place in in Paramount going to Paramount High School I was mm-hmm. one of three kids in the whole school that uh skateboarded um oh my gosh. yeah so it was a rough year but we moved and so then we moved to this city that was like I go to the high school there's like horse trails in front of it like there's not even any like paved sidewalk until you get onto the like school and i was like there's horses around here it's like very much like small town like country um which is something i wasn't used to yeah for sure it's i mean i'm sure there was like probably not not as much access to music as well well i kind of thought that too i was like worried like i'm way out here like so far from la like even though i was a kid i could sort of recognize that like LA was kind of the place for music and culture. Um, but luckily I, you know, start meeting people and it, there was some other kids at my high school that were into, uh, punk music and hardcore music. And, um, so that was really cool. I met them and kind of started, um, you know, hanging out with them and like learning the ropes of where I lived. And it turns out that I lived, right down the street from a now closed place but legendary uh venue called showcase theater i think i remember that showcase yeah theater. in corona okay. i don't know if you ever went to shows there but um it sounds familiar but i don't think i've ever been to a show there so, so like super um, legendary place i mean as yeah, far as really. punk rock goes it yeah. ev- any and every band that was like up and coming at that time would play at the showcase theater. So um, the owner's uh, son and daughter I went to high school with, and um, a lot of my friends were in bands that would play there. And uh, it just became like a thing to, you know, I, I would go to showcase theater no matter what was going on, if I knew the band or not. <clears throat> um, right. It was, it was just uh 
a, like a hangout. Totally. Place. Yeah. It was, it was a, yeah. a, a really nice uh, thing to find out that I was so close to such a, uh, a booming culture because there really was a lot of culture going on at the showcase theater. Um, yeah. The Inland Empire, like hardcore and punk scene was, was really strong at the time. And that's where kids went. I mean, there was some other like little shows that would happen at like churches and whatnot, but yeah. um, that's funny at churches. Totally. Yeah. They would have, yeah. well, because like Christian hardcore was a thing at the time. So, oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Somehow yeah. these yeah. kids convinced, uh, you know, whoever was in charge at the church to like let them have a full on hardcore show with like kids moshing and getting like their noses broken, but you know, quote unquote, <laughs> in the name of the Lord. So it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that's funny yeah. what are some of the punk bands that you were seeing when you were going to these shows so at the time um like some of the bigger bands that played there were like um like hate breed played there and they were like playing huge shows like all over the world um uh-huh. so yeah like hate breed played there a band called madball from new york played there often um a lot of there was like a lot of good pop punk bands too. Um, like yeah. stuff that was on like lookout records, um, you know, screeching weasel, the queers, um, 88 fingers, Louie. There was, there was just a lot of good punk going on all over the country and world really. And um, yeah, I feel like showcase was kind of like one of the, one of the better venues that bands would definitely think to stop at in Southern California. Um, yeah. especially outside of LA. Yeah. And was that all ages or were you already of age? It was all ages. Yeah. So oh, that's, that's even nicer yeah, too, because it, it gives kids an access to, you know, still go to shows. Yeah. I mean, I was like 15 when we moved to Corona. So I was able to go to as many shows as, you know, I had money for, or my mom would let me if I wasn't grounded. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was at that during high school just going to shows um constantly yeah so what would you say inspired you to become a dj was there like a particular instance that influenced that decision i mean i kind of always held djs on this pedestal you know um Mm -hmm. we my family grew up you know not having uh, a lot of money and what I knew about DJing was that it was an expensive, um, expensive hobby. hobby. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's just sort of seemed like, uh, out of reach, I guess. But my older brother uh, at the time was actually working at a record store in, um, in Riverside. So he started DJing this eighties night, uh at a club called Inca Hoots and that was my first time like watching a DJ. I mean that kind of DJing that he was doing was um there wasn't any like turntables or it, the setup was very different and he was just playing song to song. It was like 80s music. So he was playing, you know, post punk, um, you know, like right. Susie and the Banshees, Joy Division, um kind of stuff. Kind of goth, kind right. of new wavy type of stuff and there's no no reason to mix anything with that type of music you just play a song and then you play the next one right so um but yeah i knew that being a dj um required 
having a lot of uh, music like vinyl and I yeah. didn't have I didn't have a huge you know vinyl collection um I I would you know with any money that I had I would only buy you know music basically and uh still pretty limited um you know you didn't have the internet back then the way that you have right. now so you can just like go rip songs and like have this vast you know library it was <clears throat> it was a very different time in in 99 98 um right but yeah so I I kind of always thought like you know, I play guitar, I play in punk bands, like, this is what I can do, this is what I can afford, and, you know, I, I always thought DJs were, like, super cool, but I, I did sort of think that it was, like, out of reach, but, um, you know, years pass. The other thing that, that uh, I didn't really understand about DJing was, um, it seemed to me that, like, real proper DJing was these guys who could, like, cut and scratch and like really do the turntablism right which yeah yeah was something that although I thought it was cool I I knew nothing about it really I did listen to uh hip-hop but you know the whole scratching thing I, I never really uh to be honest never took an interest in it I could respect it for what it is but I wasn't I wasn't right. really um uh, interested in that wasn't really like no. your kind of not yeah. at all like a track sort exactly of, right? and have uh, yeah most respect for someone like a track um but yeah, never sure. never thought you know i'm gonna learn how to scratch um yeah. <clears throat> so years later you know uh again kitsch bar comes comes into the story we're hanging out at kitsch bar and um the dj that um is i, I kind of knew him uh, i mean he hung out there outside of djing uh, the DJ that was playing, and at the time, Kitsch Bar didn't play any sort of dance music. It was sort of like um, new wave, post-punk, uh, right. garage, British invasion type of stuff. And it was always super packed, but it was just a lounge. No one could ever dance. The old owner, Jack, like if you were dancing, he would like send uh, the security guard to come tell you to stop dancing. It was very, it was a very interesting place, but Oh my god. Yeah, but it was super popular. <laughs> they would hate me there. It was yeah, you <laughs> couldn't dance. They would tell you to stop. Um Yeah. But anyway, so I hung out there almost every night and um Jack sold the place and when Dave took it over, um I'm hanging out and I'm in the middle of his set, the DJ gets a request from someone and he didn't like it and they had words and he literally quit in the middle of his set oh my gosh yeah um this, this kid's steve so he uh he packs his stuff up and he i think he was explaining to the cus the drunk customer that you know he's doing an all vinyl set and the guy can't just like rattle off songs to him like he's a jukebox and right so you know that's understandably frustrating but at, you know at the same yeah. time he he's leaving in the middle of his set to you know a, pa right, a packed sure. bar that, a little immature yeah a packed <laughs> bar that doesn't have a jukebox and very like limited on the ability to just like go plug in a phone so yeah. um so i live like i said very pretty close to kitsch bar and dave's like i don't know what's going on with steve but he quit and we kind of need some music can you help us out so i go home i get my computer 
I come back, plug it in with the eighth inch, like, you know, headphone, like an auxiliary cord. And I just, um, like, you know, started making a quick, like, mix on on, um, iTunes and, you know, let it play out for whatever the two hours that were left in the night. And um, I don't know, I guess, you know, save the day or whatever. And, and, Dave was, uh, Dave was pretty happy. You know, he was, he was a, a bar owner that would actually work and he was there almost every night bartending. And so he's like, <clears throat> well, you know, Steve doesn't have a job anymore here. So if you want to, you know, bring more music, you're more than welcome to while I look for a replacement. Yeah. So that turns into several weeks of me coming in and I obviously was going home and like, you know, doing my research and like preparing these playlists to like, to the T, you know, like making right. sure that like the, like the flow was good. And like, I was just doing a lot of work to, to do this and like getting paid probably, I mean, probably in drinks or something, but like, um, yeah, just doing it. Cause I really, in, you know, I was in, enjoyed it. Totally. It was more out of like you doing something that you enjoyed yeah. rather than what it was paying. Yeah, so for sure. I turned it into, you know, um, I'm like looking online and I'm like, there's some software that I can buy. Um, I think it was called virtual DJ. So I bought this app called virtual DJ, which is like, it's free. Um, yeah. And you basically, you know, you can take songs in your iTunes library and you can, uh like sort of do like a beat matching mix and like change the pitch to like match you know the last song that you're mixing out of and it's kind of a rudimentary uh like intro to DJing and so I've downloaded this program and I started actually sitting up there in the booth with the computer like mixing songs together and um kind of was you know I was definitely very interested in doing it and having fun and have you know friends were coming out and uh i was more interested in the uh song selection aspect Uh, i still wasn't interested in scratching or anything like that and um you know that i went from djing like sunday nights to uh they he moved me to thursday nights which was a much busier night so at that point i um i decided because they had techniques 1200s at the uh at the bar. So I decided, you know, I'm going to actually DJ. So I went out, I bought my own uh, cartridges, uh, needles and, and slip mats and Serato vinyl and um, uh, like bought a new computer. And like, I think I like bought all this shit on credit. Oh, sorry. Can I not say that? Yeah, okay. no, okay. you can. <laughs> uh, so I like bought all of it on credit and was like, you know, I'm going to make it work. I'll figure it out. And I like told Dave, this is what I need to get paid, blah, blah, blah. We worked out a deal. And um, so I was still, you know, definitely playing uh, indie music and um, sort of like, you know, underground uh, indie um, alternative kind of stuff. And um, you, you mentioned Toro y Moi. He was definitely in the rotation. It was, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, at the time, there was um, a lot of music, like Small Black, Washed Out, Toro y Bois. Um, there was a lot of bands <clears throat> doing this sound, and that's a lot of what I was playing. It was a, an electronic kind of um, mellow 
really really good for for the atmosphere like kitsch bar which is which yeah. is still a lounge still not any right, sort of right, dancing sure. atmosphere um but so I, I learned serato uh i learned djing on serato and you know a year later dave is like well we're gonna move you to fridays um but we have you know we want it to to bring more patrons in and and really kind of like have a really really busy night uh, rather than be a lounge we want it to be more a little bit more um energetic and a, like not a club but right somewhere in between so um so yeah that's when i started um a, a little project i called dive club and that was uh it started out with like i, I always remember like you know, not wanting to be one of these DJs that was like, like huge electronic, like, I kind of thought there was a lot of, at the time, a lot of uh, cheesiness in electronic dance music, EDM, right? Mm -hmm. So I kind of really didn't want to do that and wanted to like stay true to what I liked. So right. um, The one song that would that really sort of gave me uh, uh, an idea that I could do what I wanted without like selling out, I guess, was uh, a song Mm -hmm. called uh, Marriage by Gold Panda. So, okay, yeah. Great, great song. It it, loves so good, right? And it is a dance song, you know? Um, So I kind of used that as a let me sort of build a, a playlist or a framework or a, a collection of songs around this one song. And then I can create the vibe that I'm trying to go for. Um, yeah. So that's what I did. I took that song and kind of said, okay, I can like put these few songs before it. And then these few songs after it and build from there. And uh, luckily at the time we were coming into a, a an era in the United States where um, UK house or uh, deep house as a lot of people lovingly called it was about to get popular. So as I'm doing this night, this electronic night called dive club at kitsch bar um, that sort of became, it sort of melted into that uh, sort of a a UK house uh, type of night. And um after a couple let's see after maybe a year two years it was full-on like house music yeah yeah definitely I mean I definitely do remember you know Deep House being pretty popular I would say about six seven years ago yeah 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 the what was it Lakov night exactly (laughs) yeah that's that's when I started um you know I had my my thing going at Kitsch and um MDA and uh you know uh Brendan was doing this thing at Lakav on Wednesdays and he was doing uh he was doing it for years before I had started but um his night was well like well established compared compared yeah. to mine but I think that we came on his radar um I think thanks to uh a good buddy of mine named Ray who uh DJs under the name Herswerve, um, he 
became the link between myself and between Brendan. So, uh, you know, he was coming to dive club every, every Friday and saying, you know, I really love what you're playing. And, um, eventually he brought Brendan and he brought some of the, some of the regulars from, uh, from Lakov and, right. um, after a couple weeks, you know, Brendan was like, I, I, I like what you're doing. I appreciate what you're doing. Um, so let's work together. And, and then, and then we did, we started working together. Yeah. So is that when you, so you started at Kitsch and then you moved on to Lakov. Would you say that like was maybe a year after or was it pretty? Um, I was doing my thing at Kitsch for like, I, I would say, yeah, about a year, maybe two years before. Yeah, it was okay. probably a year um, before Brendan came in. And, and, and uh, I actually also was doing a Saturday night. I had a, a Saturday night residency at Memphis because um, a lot of the people there were, were good friends. And I hung out at Memphis a lot, not as much as Kitsch Bar, but I definitely hung out there a lot. And they, they were doing yeah. a lot of, um, you know, soul and Motown and, it was a super fun place to, you remember, that's where we you met. I love Memphis. Yeah. So yeah, um, guys like uh, Brandon were, were DJing there. And uh, my other friend, uh, Rosie, had a night there called King's Inn, which was, that's yeah, right. so that was all Americana. <clears throat> um, one of my first times ever DJing uh, on Serato for a crowd was at the King's Inn. And it was cool. I mean, I got to play um you know like queens of the stone age and it was like it was kind of a rock it was just a rock and roll slash rockabilly slash whatever i mean there's so many different genres you could get into when playing that night um so it was a really good time and so from that from playing at uh the king's inn maybe once a month um the people at memphis came to me and asked me to do a uh saturday night um which you know i think that saturday night had been started by um mr white mr white i think so i mean when i started going it was legit and this other um i forget his name but it was um yeah ben ben and legit exactly yeah so it was them too when i was yeah that night was called what was it called do you remember I don't remember. I just remember having a blast. It was the best. <laughs> it was so fun. And they were playing yeah. like Justice and a lot of French yes. electro and stuff like that. And it was super fun. Yeah. Um, Mr. White got like super big as a DJ. And um, Ben, I forget his DJ name, but they kept it going for a few more months. But then they moved to LA. So um, the, the, you know, the spot had opened and I started right. doing um, doing my night at on Saturdays at Memphis, and that lasted, um, I don't know, maybe nine months, maybe a year. Okay. So okay. Um, I was sort of trying to do the the whole electronic thing at Memphis, and it didn't fit very well. So it just turned into me like I don't even remember what I was playing at the time, but or maybe I do, but it was just it's just like too embarrassing to say. <laughs> but um, I was definitely like I don't know. It was like it worked because I had a lot of I had a, I think a, a great group of friends that would come support me, and they liked electronic yeah. music. But you know, bringing thirty to forty of your friends in a place that 
the capacities, you know, at least twice that it, you know, didn't, yeah. I don't think it made enough of a difference for me to continue DJing there. So I didn't, um, plus I had all these other things going on. Like I, I was starting right. this relationship with MBA, right. um, which was, you know, Wednesday nights at Kitsch and we were starting a, um, well, we were already, they had already been doing these Sunday parties at Mesa and right. Well, summer house well, this was before summer house. It was, it was just called brunch. What was it? Was it? Yeah, it was, it was the brunch parties. I think they, I think they were branded with a certain name, but I I forget what it was. Um, But yeah, it was just Sunday brunch parties with house music and like (laughs) a a blast. You remember, you've been to several of them. Oh, such a good time. Those were the best too. I mean, I feel like that's the one thing that, I mean, part of the reason why I wanted to do this is because I feel like our friend group is so tight. And whenever I would bring anyone that was, you know, outside yeah. of the group, they couldn't believe like that, how tight we were. And it would be like, 50 totally, of us, totally. you know, and we, like you said, are also supportive of each other. And when we know one of our friends is playing and if we can make it, we're more than help- yeah. happy to, you know, and um, that's what I like love about our friend group. But, you know, I feel like even though we're so supportive of each other, we don't really know like much about each other. You know, I I didn't know all these things that you are sharing with us now. And, you know, I think that that's kind of important for us to kind of go beyond and um, learn deeper things. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to share it. I think that uh, a lot of times we get together and we talk about um, culture, whatever it may be, books, movies, um, art, um, music mostly you know what shows we went to what shows we're planning on going yeah. to um, that we sometimes don't get into some of the deeper stuff so this that's another reason that I think this is cool you know being able to like share uh, like my background I guess I think that yeah, yeah whoever, whoever yeah, wants to sure. know it you know I'm an open book <laughs> yeah <laughs> no no more wondering exactly yeah so I guess I guess, um, you know, because you did say that uh, when you were playing at Memphis, um, I guess the music was not kind of in line with what you like. So what would you say is the music that you do prefer that, that you do prefer playing like the well, most? Um, I've come a long way, I think, in the in the few years that I've been DJing and I've experimented with a lot. And I think that um, after trying a lot of different things the music that most um inspires me or that i can really uh like lose myself in and like um really really dive into is um kind of like dark um electronic stuff um Mm -hmm. not necessarily like dark techno but like just dark electronic in general um i think that you know maybe having an affinity for uh you know like goth music or you know some of the darker hardcore bands punk bands post-punk bands um i've always just had an affinity for that so yeah it kind of has like shaped what you have grown to like now absolutely and it's sort of it it 
pervades all music, whether it's like country, I might like the darker side of that or, you yeah. know, whatever it may be. Um, you know, right now I've been listening. There's a couple bands that I've been listening to a lot. Um, and one of them is, uh, this is like the newer stuff that I've been listening to is uh, Blank Mass. I don't know if you've heard of them. I haven't. No. What so, are they like? Um, I found out about them through listening to a band called um, One O Tricks Point Never. And if, okay. if you've seen the movie, the new Adam Sandler movie, um, Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. So One O Tricks Point Never, the guy who is the sort of the, the genius behind that project, he does the whole score for that movie. Um, it's very dark and uh, it's 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 really really a really really good score um but i saw one of yeah. point never at fyf and i was really excited to see them and they're very they are very avant-garde um the sort of things that that uh the methods that he uses to uh convey a feeling are effective and they're very different from mm-hmm. most other things that i can think of in music today so um i would say like the song black snow if if you wanted to like start out with one song to go on youtube and look up and find out about about one tricks point never um yeah it would be the song black snow it's it's if it's it's a palatable song it's uh in in the pop sense it's it's got a sort of a standard song structure um but it's once you listen to it you'll see how different it is um so really been really listening to one oh tricks point never for a few years now and um i think it was either on spotify or apple music or youtube but i got linked to uh a song by this project called um blank mass and it's spelled b-l-a-n-c-k b-l-n-c-k yeah so it's blank mass um they he does this uh sort of i mean it's got it's basically industrial music but he has touches of like r&b type of like beats in it that are really really amazing um there's uh another guy that's similar called uh it's a really funny name he goes by uh ross from friends Oh, I love yeah. Ross from Friends. So, we saw him at Cross. Yeah. Oh, so such good, a good right? Set. So, so it's, good. It's the so stuff good. like that. Um, I mean, Fortet, uh, Jamie XX, mm-hmm. um, yeah, James Blake. Um, like I said before, Gold Panda. Um, more like the yeah like you said uh industrial yeah i mean the 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 ryan hemsworths of the world you know there's this whole uh subgenre in electronic dance music that it's not just um it's not just party music i guess you could say right no it's i feel like it has a different essence you know it's like like it's the the beats are not the same it's a more right. mellow and um but still you can dance totally. to it's i mean yeah. i think that yeah. you, you no, can like, do a lot to it if you can you can sit and like read or write or just stare at whatever or you can 
be in a sweaty like you know after hours at 4 a.m dancing to the same stuff it works on a lot of different levels um shit i mean you could sit and like cry to it it's got a lot of different emotions wrapped up into uh a 4-4 beat yeah for sure i mean i feel like jamie xx is one of those band or i mean one of those uh producers that you know, some of his music, even though there's no lyrics, can be so melancholy Absolutely. sometimes. And like you said, um, it's a dance song, but there's a melancholy, like, feeling to it that can, you know, bring you to tears sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, Ben UFO, um, <clears throat> there's there's so many artists that are doing this type of electronic music. And, uh, you know, not to disparage or, you know, to shit on the... Uh, Steve Aoki's of the world because they're, you know, throwing a party and like they have this whole vibe. Um, Steve Aoki's one of the most hardworking, talented DJs around. There's, I mean, he's one of the pioneers. He's basically one of the guys who yeah, started that electronic. Exactly. Music, I mean, he went know? from, you know, doing punk rock to, uh, to, to doing his uh, Tuesday nights. Uh, in Hollywood and, you know, created this monster that is Dimac. Um, so there's, yeah. there's, I can't have anything bad to say about guys like this who travel the world and like throw a huge party, you know, 300 nights a year or whatever. It's just not, um, I think it took me a while to recognize that it's not necessarily me. Right. Um, you know, I dipped my toe in, hip hop for a while now i've been a a saturday night resident um at mesa lounge which is probably the most popular um quote-unquote club uh lounge i would say in orange county i mean yeah um, definitely i mean it's grown to be so big i remember when we were going it was Basically just yep. us, you know, our yeah. friend group. It was definitely a whole different uh, place. And it was very mellow yeah. vibes, beautiful, a beautifully designed space with great drinks, great food. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was one thing for a long time. It's still that space, but now there's uh, always, it's never not packed nowadays. So if you're looking right. for something mellow, it's not your place. Um yeah, but, you know, I, ne- I never not. DJed hip hop um, and I never really, like I said, the whole turntablism thing was something that I uh, didn't have an interest in learning scratching, although I had all the respect in the world for it. I just thought better leave this to the guys that know how to do it and do it well. Right. <clears throat> um, yeah, yeah. Like Rockberry, you know, he's he him. Uh, Gmo, that whole crew that used to DJ at Proof Bar in Santa Ana all the time, those guys know how to scratch and they they do it well. Um, but uh, you know, we started um, getting shows at the Observatory. Uh, it was when we started doing our Friday night at Wayfair that we booked um, Peanut Butter Wolf, and I was opening for uh-huh. Peanut Butter Wolf, and I told. Brendan from MDA uh, because this was an MDA party I told him you know I don't really like I like hip-hop but I don't really like Mm -hmm. 
scratch or anything like that. He's like, that's fine. Just like, you're just playing music to like get the crowd going a little bit. Like, so I opened for peanut butter wolf and, um, put this set together of some classics and some underground hip hop and just stuff that I knew it was like all I could do to like, like it took me so long to put this, you know, one hour set together one or two hours or whatever. Got the taste of it. I was like, this is, this is awesome. I want to do this more. Um, and then, um, free the robots, our good friend, Chris, who I'm sure, you know, free the robots Mm -hmm. and, um, who else? Oh, Starro. I don't know if you're familiar. I don't believe I know. I don't know who that is. Starro at the observatory and met him and hung out. We hung out and uh, exchanged information and, a few months later when he was putting together a tour to promote uh, a release that he was doing, um, we connected and, and we booked him at uh, the, at the Wayfair. And this is a, obviously a more, uh, you know, bass music type of type of show with Starro, Free the Robots and myself. And um, then I could get crazy with the experimental beats so yeah. that was yeah, also sure. something that uh, led me into DJing the the 90 BPM um, hip hop slash, you know, hip hop ish music, you know. Uh, so that was a yeah. lot of fun. And, um, you know, when we first started Mesa, that was definitely all house music. But as the world changes and people like uh, Drake um, got more popular people didn't want to necessarily hear uh, house music at a a place like Mesa lounge. So I quickly had to change what I was doing and uh, give, give them hip hop. So, um, you know, I mean, you throw some trap in there, um, some Flostradamus and, and, uh, you know, uh, snake hips and things like that. You could definitely, still make it your own flavor but uh yeah that was when i started playing hip-hop i still don't scratch but um i think that the way that i've learned how to do it or the way that i've decided to do it uh is just to i guess like rock a party without doing the scratching you know yeah and i mean it's like your own you know because like you said like flasterdamas is still a little bit you know dancey but can still have that same element yep. of hip hop, I guess. So it's kind of like making it your own. Um, would you say that you, any of the Seriously, guys, I guess, like all hip-hop. our friends, it, it, it feels good to be able to to make it my own flavor. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Would you say that um, any of the guys uh, that I guess are our friends have any of them had an impact or like? anything that you look up to in any of them that maybe like inspired you as well to change, um, I guess you, not the genre, but just evolve into the DJ that you've become. Um, I would say that um, one person that made a difference in, in me and a lot of people have made a difference, but uh, one, one person that uh, made a huge difference in, the format that I used was JP Jones. Uh, he 
when I wanted to transition from using the free app on my computer, the virtual DJ thing to actually learning how to really DJ. Yeah. Uh, he's the first person I went to and he said, you know, this is what you have to do. And he was there with me every, you know, uh, I think it was Sunday nights or whatever, Thursday nights at Kitch Bar. He was there with me, helping me set up, yeah. you know, helping, showing me how to use the needles, how to put them onto the turntable. Um, you know, when something goes, basically how to plug in a Serato box is, I don't know if you've ever done it. No. It's like, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's like learning a, a new language. Um, but so it's yeah, a, lot of, to, a lot of work. It's a lot of work, but you have to do it. Um, perfectly or it won't work so a little bit like baking then not I cooking mean, yeah it's yeah, it's very got, exact like, and precise yeah there's there's ins and outs and throughs and and there's a lot to do to make sure that you have the machinery hooked up right and then you have to hook it up to a computer and then hook the needles up to the table and there's a lot to it so uh he was definitely there helping me out, helping me learn how to uh, connect, first of all, and then second of all, how to troubleshoot in case I'm playing, you know, to a packed house and something goes wrong. Yeah. Um, Again, another example of like how our friends are so amazing, you know, it's not, I mean, not everyone is as lucky as we are. I feel, I feel like everyone is so helpful whenever Oh, there you are. Whenever we need something, you know, I feel like everyone's so, um, yeah, so there for us. I definitely wasn't paying JP, so I might have like given him a drink ticket every once in a while, but no, he did it out of the kindness of his heart and, um, the love of, you know, DJing and playing music. So, yeah, what up, JP? (laughs) Um, what would you say are the biggest challenges that DJs face? Do you have another hour? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've always had this internal thought when I get booked for a show, when I'm preparing for a show, and when I play the show, that I wonder if people notice songs that I've played in previous uh, shows. Um, you know, when I'm at, at a certain point, uh, and this was way too much, but I was playing like three shows a week uh in in all in costa mesa at at some point it would be like i'm playing wednesday at lacav then i'm playing friday at kitch bar then i'm playing you know saturday at wherever and uh, i'm just happen to be playing this song or these two songs a lot right now so um it was always like a like a thing like i wanted to be fresh and have like a fresh new set of tracks um, yeah. So that's definitely a big challenge as a DJ, but it's a fun challenge. Yeah. Um, there's other things like, you know, inviting friends to shows and feeling like you're bothering them sometimes. Yeah. And, and I don't, <clears throat> I mean, and personally, I feel like when people ask me, to me, it's like, it makes me feel like you're only asking me. And I know it's not just me, but that's, I feel, the sense that everyone gets, you know, that you're personally asking them, like, hey, I'd love it if you come. So I don't take it as, like, you're bothering. To me, it's more like, oh, wow, like, he wants me to go and, you know? (laughs) I mean, and and, um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, 
I think that it's a challenge, especially if you play a lot in your town. Um, there's obviously no hard feelings if people can't make it to everything. But, um, you know, when, at, like I said, at a certain point, I was playing, you know, three, four nights a week, all in, you know, Costa Mesa. Um, and it, you know, I can understand that people can't make it to everything, but I just left it up to social media and I said, all right, here's the information for the show. I'm going to remind you about it as many times as I possibly can by posting. And, uh, if you come, you come, if you don't no hard feelings, but yeah, I think, uh, you know, getting people out because you want them there and, uh, feeling like you're not bothering them was kind of (laughs) a challenge for me, I guess. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, and I understand it on like both ends, I guess. Um, can you share with us any fears or insecurities that you have? I, I mean, I just did. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Are you talking about in general or? or yeah, like I guess fears as a person and not so much as a DJ. Um, God, this is getting deep. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like I said, if it's something that you prefer not to discuss totally cool yeah i mean i i uh no i have no problem with it um gosh um yeah i mean i think i if i can keep it related to music then then i um i would say you know i i one of uh and this probably ties into a fear and an insecurity um i think that you know am i contributing enough to the local scene to um get it to a point where it is vibrant enough uh for people to um to to people for people to care i guess um i think that i see a lot of our friends sometimes uh care and sometimes they're like orange county's boring i'm going to la because i know there's some dope artists playing yeah. Um, which is totally understandable, but I, you know, one of my insecurities about living and being an artist in Orange County is, is, you know, is it enough? You know, it's not LA and it seems like everybody that wants to, you know, take a step up, they're not going to try to like stay in, in Orange County and like contribute to the scene here to try to make it vibrant and make it worth staying here. They just moved to LA. Yeah. <clears throat> um, which, like I said, you can't fault anybody for that because L.A. is such a mecca. Um, but it is sort of an insecurity. Like, you know, you meet other people in the industry and they're like, oh, you live in Orange County? Why do you live in Orange County? Why don't you move to L.A.? You know, like, yeah, it's it's popping up here or whatever. And I'm like, you know, I, I truly care about the scene in Costa Mesa. And I feel like I've cared for a lot of years about it, um, not just being a party. And so when you when you book certain artists uh, and you try to throw certain shows, um, it can sometimes be discouraging when those shows fall flat on their face and they've, you know, they're fun. You're so stoked to get the artist in front of you doing their thing. And it's a lot of fun, but at the same time uh, it's, you know, you see the attendance and people are like not caring and you're like, dude, this guy is so dope. Like he's yeah. like, he's amazing. Like just give him a chance. And people are like, eh, you know, so that, um, yeah, I think that, you know, being from Orange County, uh, it's, it's limiting got a, sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's got a certain stigma to it. Not being from California. When I first came to, 
live in Corona and, you know, I'm meeting other people in the punk scene and we're exchanging, uh, you know, phone numbers or whatever. And I had a 909 um, area code. Yeah. Little did I know that it was like this like thing where people would be like, ew, you're from, <laughs> yeah, you're from the IE gross. Like, ew, like go back to whatever. Like it was a huge thing, right? Yeah. Obviously, for sure. Yeah. Those were like people that I didn't want to, you know, be around anyway, if they're going to like right. associate yeah. like or define you by your area code. Exactly. Like, <laughs> good riddance if they cared about something so insignificant then fine but um yeah so that same that same sort of stigma kind of exists from la to orange county it seems like some of like some of the scene the industry in la um sort of you know have a certain feeling about orange county uh that you know like we could be throwing a very, very dope party like the Sunday brunch series or like La Cave on Wednesdays and someone, you know, from LA not come out to, to a show because it's Orange County. Yeah. yeah. So I think that sure. stigma sort of exists for Orange County as well. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, a, a fear or an insecurity that I have is that, you know, am I doing enough for this scene and for the uh for the culture locally you know i think i'm i mean i'll be the first to admit i could be doing more um so uh, i've got plans you know i've got you know just djing has been great for me for the last you know seven years but um as of now i think that i've got my my eyes on the next step yeah which is yeah i mean it's it's making music yeah so that's that's where i'm heading that's that's i mean i'm i'm a sort of a careful planner um so i've 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 got to think about something a lot before i do it unfortunately that's just the type of person i am but um, i mean but that's what's more sustainable in the end you know because i feel like something like that has to be thought out so that you don't just kind of dive in and not have a plan i guess Exactly. You know, and sometimes, you know, some people can work like that. Um, I feel like I'm the same way. I feel like I need to plan something. And um, so no, no worries there. Um, So I feel like right now people are, you know, using this time to be very creative. How are you using this extra time? I know you're still working, but you know, you're not going out, you're not DJing. So are you doing working on any music right now or um well um i will say that i made a step towards that uh <laughs> i bought a, a guitar sort of a like a dream guitar that i've I've always wanted to buy a martin guitar so um i did buy i did finally invest in a really nice guitar that um, nice. it's something that i'll have for a very long time um but it's also i know i did buy it in the interest of that being part of um when i start making music and releasing my my own original uh music that i know that you know being a guitar player for such a long time has it's been such a big part of my life i'm definitely going to incorporate that into um some if not all of of what i do even if it's electronic music there's going to be some guitar in it i'll i'll give you that 
Awesome. That's nice. Yeah. Well, I guess before I let you go, uh, you are you already let us know what you're currently working on. So we're all looking forward to that. Um, and I guess let us know if we can check you out on. Um, I don't know if you're doing any live shows. I know some of our DJ friends are doing that so that we can. Um, so I, you can uh, follow me on Instagram, which is at Toros Bros, T-O-R-O-S. And uh, I'm definitely thinking about uh, doing a live set from the house. I mean, I would want it to be something that I would be interested in watching. Uh, I've seen a lot of really good house music sets and a, yeah. a couple of hip hop sets. So well, as I'm deciding, uh, you know, what it is I'm going to contribute to the music scene uh, in this state of, uh, you know, staying, staying home and not being able to go out, I'm definitely yeah. going to make sure that it's, um, that it's something different. So uh, okay. you can follow me on Instagram and, and I will post uh, more information about when I'll do a live stream. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks so much for doing this. I so appreciate it. Um, yeah. Thank you. And I can't wait to see all of you guys when we are done with this. <sighs> we need to party. Seriously, I, <laughs> I cannot wait. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all going to go a little bit crazy. It's going to be one of those like, yeah. um, we go out and stay out until like seven in the morning or something. It's going to be <laughs> months of that probably. <laughs> yeah. But all worth it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, have a great night and thanks again for doing this. Thank you, Alayda. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.